Hey, I want to thank our amazing sponsors at Mules and More magazine. Mules and More has been around a long time. It's a great magazine. And uh, shoot, I've been reading this magazine since I was just a little kid. I remember my dad subscribed to this when I was little and I'd read it every month and loved it. And now uh, our good friend Corey Daniels has taken over as editor of this magazine the last few years and she has done an amazing job um also did you know that meals more comes in a digital format you can download it on your phone read it wherever you're at so hey be sure to check them out mealsmore.com and uh you know hey tell them ty sent you i'd be very grateful mealsmore.com welcome to episode 120 of our everyday mealmanship podcast I'm Ty Evans, and I'm really happy that you are hanging out with me today. And today is a Mule Tip Tuesday episode, and I'm going to start by talking about uh, a little class that I took this morning. Um, it is August 31st, 2021, and this morning I had the privilege of taking a little class um, by uh, Del Jeffries and... Martin Black, um, they did a little presentation on uh, basically equine dental work, um, and Dell Jeffries is a really cool guy. Of course, Martin Black's awesome too, but Dell Jeffries, uh, very interesting to listen to him talk about teeth, and you know, um, f- floating their teeth and having their teeth checked is is something that, uh, you know, Sky and I have always done with our mules. Um, and we, we usually have them checked once a year. Unless there's something that I notice uh, as a problem or if I notice some sharp edges or some hooks or 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 maybe some, some trouble happening, maybe some discomfort, um, then I'll have them checked. But, you know, typically we've always had them checked once a year. And I learned a couple things today. Um, number one, I learned that we should be having these animals checked way more often than once a year, um, especially as youngsters, especially the youngsters. And, you know, this particularly got me thinking because, you know, right now I have, <laughs> what do I got? I have um, 10 mules under the age of six years old and younger, all the way down to, to, to wheelings. So from wheelings to six years old, I got, I got yearlings, I got two-year-olds, I got three-year-olds, I got four-year-olds, I got five-year-olds, and six-year-olds. And I learned, uh, I mean, they're, they're losing these teeth, they're shedding these caps, um, you know, from, from two to, basically between two and, and five years old, they're shedding caps and and uh, you know when they shed these caps, uh, it, it leaves uh, kind of a sharp, you know, protrusions in some of these teeth, and you can have a lot of problems. Um, you know, and uh, something else that I I never really thought about, and I don't know why this didn't occur to me. Um, but you know, you know, a lot of people will will talk about how their their animal doesn't particularly like a bit. Or doesn't like to carry the bit, and so they'll put a hackamore on. And I've I've never recommended this. 
you know, because if if I can't get things going well in the snaffle bit, I don't move on to the hackamore. Period. That's it. I just don't move on. Uh, and for me, um, there's very little exceptions, except for usually I say, well, if you got some major problems going on with the teeth, why then you could. And this morning I learned that I have been wrong on even that. Um, if you're having trouble with the teeth, then you definitely should not put a hackamore on. Um, particularly um, if if the uh, if the cheek teeth um, if they're sharp and you you're wearing a hackamore. And for those of you that are new listening to this program, when I talk about a hackamore, I'm talking about a traditional hackamore. I'm not talking about the mechanical uh, junk. I'm talking about a traditional hackamore, which is comprised of a bozelle, a makati, and a hanger. Anyways, I learned that, you know, if they're having trouble with those cheek teeth, you really shouldn't use a hackamore because, you know, the bars of the hackamore particularly um, will push on these cheek teeth. And you can have quite the quite the issue there. Um, so it was really fascinating. Uh, and it was just a two-hour class. But I learned a lot. And, you know, uh, there's a saying, you know, no hoof, no horse. Well, no teeth, no horse either or mule. Um, their teeth just affect so much. Um I also never had any idea how much, uh, if the TMJ joint is out of balance, which you can get that TMJ joint out of balance, you know, because of their teeth, the way their teeth uh, are balanced. Uh, If that TMJ joint is out of balance, why, it affects all 12 meridians of the horse. Things like, I mean, that that it affects affects everything. I mean, um, and he he was talking about how... uh, there's quite a few um, advanced chiropractors these days that um, have quite a bit of education. And there's a lot of chiropractors now that they will not work on a horse or a mule unless the teeth have been properly checked, floated, and taken care of any problems first before they start working on the chiropractic issues. And I thought that was also really fascinating because he went on to explain how if the teeth and the TMJ joint is out of balance, uh, it can affect. It can affect. I mean, the whole the whole spine, the 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 pole down to the neck to the wither, the whole spine. It, it can affect that whole. Uh, it affects your whole animal, and so, uh, if you've ever had just a toothache, you know how, um, you know how wicked, uh, it can feel, and how that little toothache can just shut shut your day down. Um, this past summer, I had a tooth uh, die on me, and uh, oh my gosh, uh, it just hurt so stinking bad. I had to go get a root canal, and and uh, it wasn't caused by a cavity or anything. The tooth just died, and uh, boy, that hurt. You know, that really hurt, and I, and I couldn't hardly do anything. I, di- I didn't want to ride because every, every step of the mule would kind of jar my my mouth and hurt so I didn't ride for you know probably four or five days which is probably the longest I went without riding in a long time and uh but you know so so these teeth problems if you have teeth problems it can really affect the behavior of these animals 
Now, there's some uh, that uh, Dale Jeffries went on to say, you know, he said for, for some, uh, some of these animals that have never had any dental care, it's not, you know, they can, they seem to handle it better than some of these animals that have had dental care that go bad. So he's saying that, you know, if you keep up on the dental care, you'll, you'll be able to notice problems sooner. Whereas if, if a horse has never been taken care of, a mule's never been taken care of um, with dental work, why? Sometimes they just bear through it and you don't notice it. But it can really affect things. And, you know, I decided after listening to this and learning this, um, you know, ne- next spring when we have our big cult starting at my house in June, um, I think I'm going to require all the participants to have wet and had their, their cults teeth checked before coming because I think it, it would affect way more than I've ever thought uh, the, the behavior and I and I think that maybe we could you know um, even if it just eliminates a little trouble why that would be worth our time to do that so you know if you've if you've never had your meals teeth checked which it it's amazing how many people haven't I go all over the world and it's amazing how many people have not had their uh, their horses or their mules teeth floated and checked um, and they have issues going on why you ought to have it checked out so it'll sure affect that behavior anyways it's just a few things I learned this morning I'm always trying to get better and learn more so that I can uh, save you all some time and uh, help you guys learn so It's a great day here. We are hanging out in Wisconsin, St. Croix Falls, Wisconsin, and uh, getting ready to do a three-day clinic here. We got a foundation and a mealmanship one class, and and uh, I believe both classes are full. Um, It's kind of hard to keep track because we don't quite know until everybody shows up, and hopefully they all show up. Uh, But it looks to be a good clinic, and so I'm looking forward to it. Beautiful weather right now. It's just great. And um, we got a bunch of questions to get to for today's Meal Tip Tuesday. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive right in here and uh, get to these here for you guys. First question comes from Karen Heatwall. My question is about my 7-year-old John Mule, Elliot, and my 4-year-old Molly Sage. We're planning to take Sage as a pack mule on a Colorado hunting trip. Sage does very well leading behind my husband's 14-year-old Molly, Reba. But when I try leading her on Elliot, they keep threatening each other, laying ears back, etc. Is there something I should be doing to help them get along better? Or will it just take more time and practice? Thanks for your help in so many ways. Using your methods, I can now spray Elliot with fly spray in a large crowd without a halter. Previously, he was very freaked out and opposed to fly spray. Okay, Karen, uh, thank you for the question. Um... You know, when I'm ponying another animal, and particularly my riding mule is having issues with the pack mule, why, that's pretty easy to, to solve because, well, you could just use your legs. So say say my mule pinned her ears and looked to the right, to her right, my right, um, back at the pack mule like she's kind of threatening. Well, I could just get my left leg back. We call it third gear if you've been to a clinic. Um, just get that left leg back and just move the hinds over a little bit. And that would also draw the nose back to the left. And every time my, my riding meal kind of threatened like that, why that's, that's all I do. I just move the hinds one way or the other and get that, uh, redirect that attention. Um, that's, that's 
about all I, all I could do. I mean, I could also maybe ask them to trot, I suppose. Every time they would kind of get a little look like that, I might just move them out a little bit more. I might trot them up the trail uh, a little while. Um, <laughs> there's some, well, I can't say that on the air. There's some sayings about this. Uh, trotting the, just trot the smart aleck right out of them. There's other words people use, but um, sometimes if they're not getting along, I will trot. I'll trot a mile down the trail. I mean, who cares? Try to mile down the trail. Uh, they can trot through some rocks and some stuff and get them thinking. If they're not getting along, that's something I might do. Now, if my pack mule is threatening my riding mule, which happens at times, why, I could just give them a little bump down that lead rope, send a little feel down that lead rope and bump them back a little bit. Or again, I might trot them. Uh, I might stop. I might back them up. I might back that pack mule up a, a quite a ways and kind of get after them a bit. Um, I could redirect that mule uh, or that pack mule or that pack horse around my riding animal if there's room enough on the trail so there's things that you could do um, and uh, you know if if the room if, if the trail is big enough for you know uh, a, a pack mule to fit down with panniers why there's that tells you there's usually plenty of room to do some work here so uh, typically if you can fit your pack mule in with panniers on why that trail's big enough for you to do a lot of work and and so I might do something there. Of course, you got to use common sense. Don't do something if it's in a little bit of a bind or a tough spot. But when the when the terrain offers plenty of room to redirect this mule, I might stop and I might halter drive that mule around my riding animal. So, you know, you're in the saddle. And if you've watched some of the colt starting videos, um, particularly like of our, of our 2021 colt starting I did at my house, you'll see me working a lot of mules off of my riding mule. And that seems to... Uh, that seems to help with that attitude as well. Thanks for that question, Karen. Let me know what you think of that. Hopefully that helps you. Next question is from Kate Vassell. How you doing, Kate? Hey, Ty. I just started working with a new horse. He's about four, and he was gathered as a wild horse at age two-ish. He has been gentled, handled all over, taught to lead, load, get his feet trimmed, and has been saddled and ponied some. I'm not sure how much he's done this or how long ago, but we brought him to our facility uh, before we brought him to our facility, uh, he is still dis- deciding about trusting and being comfortable around humans. I am working on the checklist with him, and he is doing great. The natural lightness he has is really neat to experience. Today was the first time I started asking to roll the hinds. When I take up my slack as a pre-signal, he would start trotting. I kept I kept myself slow and waited for him to settle into a walk before pointing to and looking to his hip. Uh, he would then shuffle his hinds away and keep trying to face me for several turns. Eventually, he would freeze and quit moving altogether and stand pretty stiff with his head up. I would keep my energy forward and start tapping, driving his hips with my hand or the end of my lead rope. I haven't introduced. Um, I haven't introduced a flag yet. Uh, he would eventually step over. He was a bit less frozen when I finished our session. What is the best way to handle this when they freeze up in this move and all momentum is lost? I found myself right on top of him with little room to drive. I also lost any lateral flexion he may have had. Thank you. Okay, Miss Kate. Um, All right. Uh, The first thing I would recommend is uh, uh, get to work on him with that flag a bit because that will give you a little extension. Instead of you having to worry about swinging your rein, uh, to drive his hip, you can just tap him with that flag, and that'll probably help a lot too. 
also um, remember uh, you, you got to kind of read their speed and if he's having a hard time rolling his hinds with any momentum like you say and he's not wanting to, to to move very quickly or at least keep up with your pace well then you're going to have to adjust to fit the horse here and you may not need to walk so fast especially if you're losing ground and walking into his hip don't lose that cushion of air between you and the horse's hip you want to keep that cushion of air there so if that hip stops moving and he's kind of stuck and he's frozen, well, you need to stop your feet as well. But maybe you use uh, that flag now to tap on that hip and try to move him some, some more. The other thing, if you're finding yourself cutting in there too sharp, um, which is the most common thing that happens in our foundation classes, for example, I see that every week, is you're, you're cutting in too deep, uh, too sharply into that circle. When I'm rolling the hinds on a on a mule or a horse, you guys, I like to make basically make an arch from the front hoof to the hind hoof, and my tracks are following the the hind feet of that horse more more or less or that mule. Okay, I'm I'm basically my tracks are stepping in the tracks of their hind their inside hind foot. Okay, the other thing you can do to keep a little momentum, Kate, is as that inside hind foot is leaving the ground, why, you could just drive it right then, and that would be some good timing. If you're trying to drive that that foot as it's already stepping down, why, you won't get any momentum. It's not going to help you build any feel there. So uh, that timing will help a bunch. Also, um, you mentioned in the very beginning that when you go to slide up that rein, um, send a little pre-signal that you're going to roll the hinds. He, he does seem to speed up right there. You can work on that pre-signal, just sliding down that rein and then going back to your circle. You don't have to actually ask for the hinds, but you'd want to take out that brace right there because him speeding up like that, that is the very first brace he's put in. Just because he's moving his feet fast doesn't mean they're not moving fast braced. So that tells you right there he's already anticipated a little anxiety, a little fear. He's got braced up for you right then and there. So you might get him comfortable just sliding down that rein going back to your circle over and over, and you don't actually roll the hinds. That anticipation, that brace, that's not going to be anything that's going to be desirable for you. So thank you for the question, Kate. Hope that helps you. Okay, the next question is from Alyssa Alvarez. Uh, Boone just turned one in June, and I'm trying to get him broke to lead, but I have been but I have been inconsistent in my groundwork. I have been out of town frequently over the past three months and admittedly haven't focused on our work together. He seems to have been too comfortable with the flag and doesn't react to it like he used to. I go back to my attempts to clear the front and he wants to walk over me. His center circles are a mess and sometimes when I am trying to do center circles, he wants to yank back, kick out, etc. I haven't let go of the lead rope. I just try to get him semi-centered before ending on a good note. He does really like going on adventures off the property, ponying off of my horse and hand walking, but I don't feel safe bringing him places when he doesn't have these basics under control. Where do I go from here? Start from scratch with the videos? Question mark. Uh, he is so smart, growing big, and needs his manners back. Thank you both so much for everything. Okay. All right, Alyssa. Um, okay, so f let's just go back to the very beginning here. Um, the very first move of the groundwork. That's what it sounds like Boone needs a lot of. That's clearing the front. 
Now don't forget to do this when you initiate your groundwork or when you go through a gate or when you load in a trailer or anything. That clearing the front is crucial. You need to be able to send that mule one way or the other. That outside front foot should reach in the direction that you want to go. You should be pointing in the direction you want to go, walking in the direction you want to go, and driving him in the direction you want to go. So there's a lot going on there, but that move is when you're going to want to focus and want to get good. So before you go into the circles, before you try to roll the hinds, roll the front, all those other moves, get clearing the front good. Now, if you remember at the clinic you come to in Dunnigan, um, you know, we worked on this quite a lot, and I talked about the angles to achieve this. I, and if you recall, I told you three different angles. There's a good, uh, there, there's an angle that's, that's pretty good. That's kind of when you're out in front of them, sending them one way or the other. Just standing directly in front of the mule. That, that's a decent angle. You can send them wherever you want, but you're not going to get a really fantastic yield on the front end. I prefer to stand on the side that I actually want to move. So if I'm trying to move that left front foot, I stand on that mule's left side. And I'm walking to my right, basically walking away from the mule, trying to bring that mule that way and, and drive the mule at the same time. Now, this is kind of hard to just explain using words. This is, this is a, a move that definitely needs to be demonstrated uh, for all you listeners, so don't feel too bad if you can't follow along. But basically, if I wanted to clear the front to my right, which would be the mule's left, okay, I'm, I, I'm standing about at a 45 degree angle off of the mule's shoulder. And I'm going to walk about a 45 degree angle kind of away from the mule. So if you took 45 degrees, one point at the shoulder, one point off to the mule's right, uh, excuse me, to the mule's left and behind it a little bit, that's the angle I'm going to be walking. So I'm walking forward, not toward the mule, not completely away from the mule, but kind of shooting that 45 degree gap right there. And I'm trying to drive them. But that's the angle you really need, and if you're not sure what the heck I'm talking about here, just go to my video library on tsmules.com, and you can watch a bunch of videos clearing the front. There's lots of them on there, lots of different mules, and you can see how that comes together. But that's that's what I would focus on with Boone, Alyssa, um, is is lots of that clearing the front. You know, Then he won't be running you over. He can't run you over if you clear the front correctly. If you're walking in the correct direction, he can't run you over because you're going to be out of his way. And so typically when you're getting ran over when you go to move that front end, it's because you're either walking into the mule or you're walking too far away from the mule and drawing him right over the top of you. A lot of people take that rein and they point out to their side too much, and that brings the mule, follow the line of the rein, right? They're going to follow that line of the rein right across your, your body and right over the top of you and out the other side. So I point that rein in front of me. I'm holding my, my hand directly out in front of me so it basically makes a, a 90 degree angle right there uh, with my body and that's kind of the way I'm, I'm going to try to send that meal they're going out and away from me I can't get run over if I do that uh, I know it probably sounds confusing here on this podcast like I said that's why I'm referring you guys to the videos for this particular question because that's tough um, you know and him being uh, you know unaffected by your flag um, re remember you might have to use the stick part a little bit more and actually tap him. If that's still failing you, then you might have to drive him with the tail end of your lead rope too. That'll be more effective than the flag to, to drive him if you need to make contact there. But yeah, I just start right there 
that very first step every time. Um, and I think this is something that a lot of you maybe have a hard time actually really grasping. I start over with my mules, all of them. I start over every day. I go back to the beginning every single day. And, uh, you know, I used to think, oh, I've worked on that. I'm past that. If you hung out with me 10 years ago, I would have said, I'm past that. I'm going to, I'm going to start down the list. Now I know the benefit of getting my mules saying yes. So even though some of the beginning pieces, we've done them thousands of times, maybe literally thousands of times, you guys. And it's an easy yes from the mule. You get them saying yes, 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 yes. That, and then I start like that in the beginning all the way through. And then when I get to something a little further on that is a bit advanced, hey, they're already in an attitude, in a, in a frame of mind where they're saying yes. And that's really important to me. So get them saying yes, start over every day. And like I said, I think that's the hardest thing for a lot of people to truly grasp. And it's even harder to actually do, to actually make yourself start over every day. But the cool thing is those things that are confident on, they just say yes. And they'll just go right through it. And it's quick. It takes just seconds. So the groundwork, maybe right now it's taking you quite a long time, Alyssa, to get some groundwork going with Boone, maybe hours at a time. But at some point in his life, that groundwork will take just a few seconds. I like to play around on one of the days of the clinic in my Mulemanship 1 class because it amazes me how many people show up to do Mulemanship 1 and, and don't do their groundwork. And even though that's a prerequisite to it, they still don't, they still don't do it. Um, so I usually show them, look, look how long it takes. And I'll come out there and it, and I had, uh, well, the last clinic that timed it was 22 seconds. Before that was 23. Uh, before that was like 20. So it's usually about 20 to 30 seconds that it takes for me to demonstrate the groundwork checklist. And it doesn't take long at all. Okay, Kimberly Mishler, I sent in a question for you a couple days ago about when to start riding my two-and-a-half-year-old mule colt and then found a video of you answering that question. I would still love for you to discuss it on Mule Tip Tuesday. You mentioned taking your yearling out on rides, and I was always a bit afraid of doing that in case he were to pull away while I was ponying him and get away. Uh, maybe you could talk about safety when ponying a youngster, the right equipment, etc., Thank you both so much for sharing your knowledge and experience with mules. I hope to see you at a colt starting clinic in Arizona soon. All right, thanks for the question, Kimberly. Um, we don't have any colt starting clinics in Arizona. We do one in Utah every year, so maybe you'll have to bring your colt up there and we'll help you there. Um, we may even have two of them in Utah in 2022 due to requests. Uh, okay, Kimberly. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't mind starting them to ride them anywhere from two to six years old. I like to have them start under saddle by six because that's quite a lot of lifetime that you could get some work going and, you know, and get some use out of them. Uh, definitely, I don't like to ride them at all uh, before two. I don't, you know, a lot of people kind of like to start a long yearling. I don't. Um, I, I really prefer a three-year-old. Um, you know, the, the hardest part uh, is making sure that you ride them, work them enough to be effective mentally, but you don't ride them so much that you damage them physically because they're still growing at that age. The bones are still maturing. So I don't want to get my three-year-old out there and ride the crap out of them. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I need to do enough work 
that it does engage them mentally and I'm not just bopping around because that can be pretty dangerous with some of these cults. You just kind of poke around there and you don't actually get them thinking much. That's when a lot of folks will get will get hurt. So you got to be able to balance how much you ride. Um, I don't think they need to be rode every single day and, and pounded on. I think you could do a little bit and then leave them alone. Like I got a I got a couple of three-year-olds right now at home that I've started this past uh, spring. And um, I rode them through the spring and a little bit this summer. And they're, they're at home now. We won't be home for about 10 weeks. They're going to get 10 weeks off straight, you know, almost three months off. Um, and I think that's fine for the youngsters. Now, in regards to your question about ponying yearlings, I, I do like to pony my weanlings and yearlings out on the trail. Um, and it's pretty simple, uh, Kimberly. If you get them handy on the end of that lead rope, if you go through all your groundwork, which you can absolutely do from, from weanling on, you can do all your groundwork steps and get them broke to lead nicely. Uh, if you do that, then uh, you really shouldn't have any problem leading now. And I would also recommend you you, you work on leading them at home. Now, you, you mentioned the video library and, and whatnot, um, uh, or, or you mentioned a video here that you found answering some of these questions. But if you watch our video library, I got videos on there on how, on how to teach a mule to lead from another. Um, we got a little cult named Bozalita on there. She had a little trouble following a riding mule. Uh, now, we have gone through the groundwork with her, um, you know, on the ground, and things went pretty well, and then we transferred it to the saddle, meaning I'm leading her from a mule. She's just a weanling. Well, she's a yearling now, I suppose. Um, and, uh, you know, she had a little trouble there in the beginning. We showed that in the video. She kind of rears up, throws a fit, kicks around and stuff. That's all in the video library. You can see how we reacted to that. But basically, I would get it going good at home in a round pen in your arena, before you go out on the trail. And, you know, if you lose her out on the trail, why well, just, you know, hopefully they're, the mule's gentle enough that, why well, you could just catch it. Uh, if it's not gentle enough, why well, make sure you bring your rope along because if it got away and got into some trouble, why well, you could just go in there and, and get a rope on it and uh, you have it caught again. If you're not handy enough to be able to handle a rope or you're, if the mule's not gentle enough that you could catch it, why well, then you shouldn't be going out on the trail yet. Um, I'd get it better prepared uh, in your round pen in the arena at home where you have a controlled environment. I wouldn't go out until I was prepared. Like I said, either they're gentle, I got them broke to lead good, so I wouldn't have to worry about them breaking away. If they did, I could easily catch them because they're gentle. B, if they're not gentle, I got my rope and I can rope and I can rope off the mule I'm taking so that if I, if that mule got loose and I had to get a rope on it, why I could before it got into some trouble. If I can't do those two things, like I said, I ain't going out yet. But just prepare it um, at home. And, and as far as the equipment to use, why well, I just use a just a, a good fitting rope halter. Make sure it fits good. Make sure it it it's it's tied around that throat latch and it contours the cheeks. Don't have these rope halters hanging low on the nose. We don't go for any of that here. Um, and a, and a good lead rope. I like a ten foot lead rope to pony with. That's enough room to me for me to adjust uh, the length you know, and the distance of the pony mule, um, but also not so long that I don't have a whole bunch of whole bunch of junk hanging there and that I can't really operate with. Uh, so, good question there, Kimberly. Appreciate that. Let me know what you think. Okay, next question here. 
is from Ann Cooper. And uh, Ann writes in, How do you feel about talking to your mules, and do you think it does any good? I always give a good girl if my mule completes a task successfully, and you're okay if I think my mule is anxious. Also have said, get. Uh, maybe it doesn't do anything, but it sure makes me feel better. Um, I talk much more to my mules than I ever did to my horses. I'm from North Carolina, and I audited your clinic in Ferguson. Yeah, and I'm glad you came to Ferguson, and we look forward to coming back to Ferguson, North Carolina, um, April 2022 again. So can't wait to come back. We love coming to Leatherwood for the clinic there. Um, yeah, I talk to my mules uh, all the time. Uh, I do. I talk to them all the time. Uh, you know, they're my pals. They're my friends. Um, a lot of times riding by myself, and... I talk to cows, too, when I'm working cattle, you know, and uh, maybe it's just me keeping a conversation. I have no idea. You might think it's weird. You might not. Um, but I talk to them all the time. Now, with that being said, I don't use verbal commands anymore while I'm riding. I, I just work off of my seat and my legs and my rein. I don't work off of verbal commands while I'm riding, but I do talk to them. Uh, but one thing I've noticed about talking to the mules is, in the negative sense, uh, don't I, I don't think it's a good idea for you to verbally chastise a mule or a horse. Now, I'm not talking about what you say. They don't care if you swear at them. They don't care what you say to them. Uh, it's not really about that. They don't understand your English words so much as, as we do. But it's the feel that you put out there with your words. A lot of people chastise their animals you know, by talking to them. If you listen to the Portland, North Dakota Clinic debrief, I talked about using verbal with your horse, and, and uh, one of the participants there was pretty verbal. I, anyways, I talked about how that's just a waste and how it, it kind of gets you riled up. Sometimes you guys will talk to them, and it gets you riled up, um, and you think that because you talk to them that if they do it again, like that they, you know, defied you or something. It, it's not the case. Um, but I talk to them all the time and, um, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and, uh, thank some sponsors. And when we come back, we got a handful more questions for you. All right. Okay, we need to thank our friends at Lacey Boots. Our good pal Nancy Baldock got Sky hooked on Lacey Boots. These boots are some of the most comfortable on the market. They are C-width, which gives feet and toes more room. And the taller boots come in three calf sizes, so they can fit just about anyone. These highly technical boots are extremely comfortable, fashionable, and add extreme impact protection. Lacey Boots also has a line of Western shirts called the Cool Cowgirl. With cooling technology... These shirts are soft and stretchy, fully perforated for airflow to help keep you cool. Find Lacey Boots on Facebook or visit LaceyBoots.com. Okay, friends, we are back with our Everyday Mealmanship podcast. And uh, we're doing a Mule Tip Tuesday show for you today. It's August 31st, 2021. And a lot of great questions in today. And uh, 
remember, if you guys have questions for our, our Meal Tip Tuesday shows or this podcast, you know, you can always email them to me. Uh, email them to ty at tsmeals.com and make sure you put in the subject line question for the podcast or Meal Tip Tuesday. And we'll try to get to them, okay? And we are always grateful for these questions, and uh, we love to help you guys. Next question we got comes from Cindy McMurray. Hi, Ty and Sky. Just listened to this week's debrief on the Nebraska Clinic. Sky, I really enjoyed you sharing your knowledge with us. You were great. I just bought a weaning mule that the breeder wanted to wean at four months and have us pick up a week later. I talked them into I talked them into leaving her with her mom for another month, but I'm still a little leery about hauling her for 11 hours so soon after weaning. Weaning. Uh, I don't want to do anything that will shake her confidence. I am planning on taking the trip in two legs. I have a friend I can lay over with about halfway. Question, should I haul her loose or tied, and should I be supplementing her diet in any way when I get home? I love your podcasts, uh, but if there's someone out there that can tell me how to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, can they help me out? I'll tell you how to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and, and I appreciate you wanting to leave a review and so basically if you listen on an iphone you that is apple Podcasts. that's or if you use the podcast app that your iphone comes with that is the apple podcast app and when you're on there if you're listening on there you go to my page on the on our podcast our home page on our podcast on on that app and uh just there's it'll show five stars you, you click five stars if you think we deserve five stars. And uh, there's also a place you could tap right there to it says leave a review. You, and you can click on that and you can type up a review and tell us what you think. And, you know, we'd really appreciate you doing that, Cindy. And anybody else out there that's listening, we would be so grateful. If you think our, our show is worth it, I'd be very grateful if you would leave a pod, uh, uh, a review on the podcast there. Um, now, if you don't have Apple Podcasts, Maybe the next best thing you could do is is screenshot your favorite episode and post it on social media and be sure to tag me or Sky uh, on there and uh, we'd love to we'd love to see what your favorite episode is um, and if you guys have never found us on social media you ought to check us out on there we got a Facebook page just look up TS Mules and uh, also on Facebook we have a a group page there. We have a group, uh, a little forum there where people that uh, follow this type of work, follow what we teach and implement it, they can go on there, they can post. You guys can ask questions on there, get some feedback, get some help, and have a nice little community of like-minded people where you, uh, on there, on that group, if you ask a question and somebody gives you an answer, it should be aligned with what we teach. Now, it's not always. Sometimes we've got to go in there, we've got to delete a comment or two, and we have to tune it up a little bit, but Sky keeps a pretty good eye on it, and uh, you can do that. Now, if you're on Instagram, we do have an Instagram, uh, and it's Instagram is kind of my personal page, actually. I, I run that. Sky runs the Facebook stuff. I, I like Instagram. I like how it's kind of like a magazine. And Anyways, on Instagram, look up T.S. Mules. And follow us on there. Ask questions on there and whatnot. Um, yeah, that'd be great. So, Okay, Cindy, about your question about this weanling here. Um, 
So we, we buy weanlings ourselves. We buy one or two every year, every fall. At the end of our tour, we pick up a weanling and or two, and and we go home. Uh, now, we get our weanlings from Rockin' O'Meals. Uh, a shout-out to Donnie Oldham there at Rockin' O'Meals. Great, great man, awesome breeding program. But when we get those weanlings, um, uh, typically we just head on home or we maybe have one more clinic to go to. Now, I don't tie them up because the weanlings barely, I mean, they're not broke to lead. They can they, they are broke to follow. Uh, Donnie gets them really good to follow you, um, typically. Uh, but they're not broke to lead in any way. They don't, you know, they don't know how to follow a feel on the end of a lead rope. And, and I do not tie my mules up until they are truly broke to lead. I like them. Truly broke to the, I don't like them hanging on themselves. Now, especially in the trailer, they'll tend to hang on themselves there in the trailer to balance. And if they're not broke to lead good, why well, you're just going to get them dull by hanging on, you know, them hanging on themselves in the trailer. So I would just have them loose. Now, we have a little, uh, basically a little uh, divider in our trailer. Uh, I guess you could liken it to a stud wall in our stock trailer. But we can shut that and we can keep her, uh, you know, keep that weanling, um, you know, by itself uh and and that that seems to work pretty nice and i just have them loose in there and um you know and and uh typically it seems like we end our fall tour in, well usually we end it in australia but we end our 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 u.s fall tour um in texas and so we have this wheeling or two along with us and then we just drive home from there and it's typically you know 10 to you know maybe we drive 10 hours and maybe we stop and rest a little bit and when we stop and rest with the weanling i just stop the you know and, and the, the weanling just stays in the trailer um that way i don't have to worry about loading and unloading and going through all that and and it's pretty easy uh, but no it's it's not too bad for, for them to haul in the trailer They're, they'll be okay they'll be okay now when you get home to answer your question about supplementing i like to give my weanlings Omeline 300. Now they're not. Now they don't sponsor me or nothing. So this is just me telling you what I use. I'm not. I'm not uh, speaking out for them or, or anything. But I, I like the product. It's Omeline 300, and I, I like what it does for the foals. It, it gives them a nice coat, gives them some weight, gives them all sorts of good vitamins, minerals, nutrients, whatnot, and uh, gives them lots of energy. I like them foals to have lots of energy and play and and move a lot. You don't want a foal to be lazy and just sit around all the time. I kind of like them to, to move and grow. And, and uh, the, the more they move, the more they run around, the more they jump around and kick and buck and play, the, the tougher those joints are going to get. It's going to help that bone structure mature and grow. Um, it's going to be good for them. And there's been lots of research on that. It's good for these guys to, it's going to build strong bones and things like that. It's going to build those muscles. They'll be stronger the more they move. So I like to have a little life. Uh, and and that Omeline 300 will give it to him. So thanks for the question, Cindy. Okay, next question comes from Scott Nichols. Ty, last week you mentioned or made a comment about, desti- about the destination mentality of mules. Can you expound on what to be aware of or how we can use this trait in our training if it is even applicable? Is there something we should be paying attention to that we have not talked about before. Uh, thanks for everything you do and all the questions. Okay, Scott. Destination mentality. What I t- what I mean on that is when 
and, and they, they will all have it. Uh, all equine have a destination mentality. These are travelers, okay? Typically, these wild horses, they will travel and graze. Uh, wild donkeys don't travel near as much as the horses do, but they will travel and graze and, and find water. Um, and they have, they get in this frame of mind when they're headed somewhere. It's very interesting. They have somewhere to go. And um, if you've ever seen them like cruising across the pasture, they have somewhere to go. Now, if you ever map out these animals eating in the pasture, you'll notice how they also kind of graze in somewhat of a little bit of a pattern. Um, and you'll you'll see this. It's very interesting to me. It fascinates me how they kind of do this. You think they just kind of wander around um, aimlessly, just kind of randomly picking a grass here, picking grass there. But it seems like they do have destinations where they want to go, where they want to be. Because I've seen a lot of mules and horses pass good grass right there to go to the grass over there. Um, and it seems may seem random, but they seem to have more of a destination in mind than, than we give them credit for. Now, out on the trail, this can be useful. Um, you can also use this in the arena. Uh, it can also be very negative. Uh, they can learn that at the end of your ride, for example, say you're riding your arena and you get off and you go through the gate, you go back to the barn, they get to where they will know that back to the gate, back to the barn means means they get to be done. And if that's the best piece that they get there, then they'll look to that more than they'll look to you. And so they'll get a destination mental, a destination addiction to, to there too. Um, so it, it can be a help to you. It can be a hindrance. Um, one way that it can be a help to you, Scott, for example, say you're trying to get your mule to lope, okay, and they like going to the gate of the arena, and they're easier moving to the gate of the arena. Well, if I'm trying to build this transition up to the lope, I will probably ask them to loop, lope toward the gate uh, and, and use that. You might as well use it if it's there, and, and I will actually push them faster to the gate. And then if they're a bit, a bit slower walking away from the gate, why, I might ask them to work, walk really slow, work on that nice little slow walk or a slow trot away from the gate, and that might be how I build these things. So you can use it to your advantage. It can also be uh, really irritating, you know, if they're herd bound, they're barn sour, trailer sour, whatever, then it can be negative too, but you try to use it in a positive way. I hope that helps you. Thanks for the question, Scott. Okay, next question comes from Cindy Hickman. I have a little John mule that nips. It is definitely an attention thing. I'll be rubbing on my mules, and he will nip me to get my attention. Is it a pinch? It, it is a pinch, and will leave a bruise. I'm not sure if there's anything on the video library that mentions it. Love the debriefs. Thanks, Cindy. Um, uh, I don't. I don't have any particular videos of of any mules biting in my video library yet. Um, simply because I don't deal with that from my mules. It never becomes a thing. Um, I don't ever hand feed my mules. I don't like hand feeding them. I don't like to get them nibbling at me. It just doesn't happen at my place. Um, and, uh, and also if they did ever start to kind of nibble at my shirt, nibble on me a little bit, move their lips. Now they're just feeling, I, I'm not going to be too critical on them, on them. I won't get after them too bad, but if say they nibble my shirt, I'll just bump them with my arm. And it's not a abrupt, I don't look at them and like assault them that way. I don't like, I don't be forward to them about it. But say they nibble on my arm, I'll just kind of lift my elbow, bump them a little bit. 
And I don't even look at them. I don't pay it any mind. I just go on. Like this, that's just what happens when you nibble at me. I just might bump you. Now, to be even better than that, rather than waiting for them to nibble at you to redirect it, when 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 they're getting that close and you didn't invite them in that close, why, drive them off, move them, redirect the animal. If I didn't invite that mule into my space there or that horse to come in, in there, if I didn't kind of open that door um, or if I'm not fine with it, then I will move them off. So if I'm rubbing on another mule, and, and I try to be very particular about this, but if I'm out there rubbing on, uh, on one mule, petting that mule up, and another mule comes up, and kind of gets in my face, I will drive that mule away. I don't, I don't, uh, you know, really acknowledge that, you know, I don't, I don't let that mule come in there and, and push on me or lean on me or kind of get in the way because I was rubbing on the other mule. So I'm not just going to swap out, if that makes any sense there. Unless I want to, unless I want to pet the other mule, then I'll let him in. So it's kind of up to you that way too. So uh, you might have to take your halter and lead rope out there, and if that mule comes up when you're trying to pet on your other mules and he's kind of getting in there pushing and nipping and stuff, why you need to drive him off. So just a few things I'd do. Okay, and our last question of our Mule Tip Tuesday show this week um, comes from Ray Brown. I have a, a new 20-year-old John, and he is a good soft guy, except he won't cross a bridge of any kind. Uh, or size. Um, I am a subscriber and also listen to the podcast and watch your videos. Is there any episode or video I should look to? If not, can you direct me to the right resources? Any guidance? Thanks in advance for any help you may offer. Yeah, Ray, uh, on the video library, we do have um, some videos on there uh, working on just obstacles in general. Um, and there, there are definitely bridges in there. So you can... Find those on the video library there, um, and I, I believe uh, they will be. Um, they will likely be in either a clip from clinics or uh, problem solving. You can find them on there, I believe. Um, but you know, pretty simple. It's pretty simple. A bridge, water, a trailer, anything, whatever it is. You know, one thing I've learned over these years, and this just applies to. Any obstacle of any kind or doing anything you want, just work on getting a good handle on the mule and the obstacles seem to come really easy. The better handle you have on the mule, the better you can move the hinds and the fronts and you, the better they are at staying centered between the stirrups and between your reins. The better they can do this, the easier the obstacles will be. So for, for, for my suggestion to you is, is not really to go work on bridges more often, although you know, having more exposure will definitely be good for you, but that's not the only thing to do here. I would work on getting a really good handle on this mule, and um, you, you get a good handle on that mule, and you get it to where it stays between those stirrups, between those reins, and you can send it here, you can send it there, and do this and that with it. Why, then you really shouldn't have uh, trouble on bridges, or even if the mule's a bit nervous about a bridge, why, it won't be so troubled by it that you can't work through it. Um, and just a quick scenario of what I would do, if you can, uh, just go get you a pallet and put a piece of plywood over the pallet to kind of reinforce it, make sure that pallet is strong enough to hold your mule because the last thing you'd want is for you to step on a bridge and have it fail and fall and scare your mule even more or even worse, hurt the mule. But just get you a pallet uh, and they can take a lot of weight, 
but put a piece of plywood or a sheet of plywood, although that stuff is like gold these days <laughs> uh, with the prices of lumber, right? But just put a piece of plywood over it, nail it down, screw it down, whatever. So it's maybe like a four by four piece of wood out there, okay? And even if that's maybe too much, well, you just take that piece of plywood and put it out on the ground. That's fine too. Okay, and you put it in the middle of your arena or your round panel so you have plenty of room to work. And the first thing I might do if they're scared of that bridge, I'm just going to start by circling around the bridge. And I might maybe they're really scared. Let's just pretend like they're really scared of it. I'm going to start 20 foot out from that bridge, going round and round, circles. And I will only make inside turns. So say I'm riding a circle around the bridge to the left. So counterclockwise around the bridge, okay? As I'm riding counterclockwise around the bridge, I'm going to get my left leg back. And I'm going to roll the hinds away from the bridge. So hinds from left to right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll the hinds 180. Um, or maybe maybe I'll, I'll roll them, you know, a, a quarter. And then I'll bring the front a quarter. The front will come to the left. Uh, you know, kind of that front end is going to go toward the bridge. Okay, then I'm now I'm riding around to the right, I'm riding clockwise, and I'll ride a circle around, around there. When I'm satisfied, I'll get my right leg back. I roll the hinds out to where the mule is facing the bridge, basically, and then I'll bring the front to the right. So, so now we're heading back the other way. So I'm rolling the hinds, rolling the front, a quarter turn each with each end, and that'll get you faced up to go the other way. So that's basically how I'd I'd go about working around it and little by little I'm going to get closer and closer and closer and I'm circling and pretty soon I'll start to circle and cut and uh, you know hopefully I maybe it takes me five minutes um, but hopefully after a few rounds of this going round and round why they don't care so much and uh, I can just step right over it um, but I'm not going to get in a fight making them go on the bridge um, I'm just going to help them get ready and in the meantime working on those quarters so that might be how, how I go about it until I'm on top of the bridge. Before you know it, it's no big deal. So that's a great question. Thank you for all the great, the, the great questions today, everybody. I appreciate all of you. Um, I would love to know what you guys think. Those of you that I answered your questions, please send me a message. Let me know what you think. Let me know uh, if you have any further questions with it. I'm happy to help you guys. And if you if any of you listening here have questions, Remember, you can email them to me, ty at tsmeals.com. Just put in the subject line, question for the podcast. And uh, let me know what you think of the podcast. I love the feedback. I love to hear from you guys. Um, we enjoy doing these, and I hope you guys do too. So, hey, until next time, God bless, and we will see you down the road. I need to thank my friend, Mr. Ben Lewis at Roman Home. Mr. Ben has designed a really awesome tent. It's a cross between a wall tent and a range teepee. It's built to take tough weather, high winds. Craftsmanship is amazing. And it's made right here in the USA, right here in Utah, USA. And uh, right now, Ben has a special going on. You can save 500 bucks. And uh, go to romanhome.com. Roman spelled R-O-A-M-I-N. Romanhome.com. And uh, tell Ben hello. Tell him Ty sent you.